Hallelujah. Let's, let's just pray for just a moment. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for everything that you've done so far on today. Lord, I thank you for the word of God that came forth early this morning about obedience and discipline. And so, Father, we, we receive it. We receive it with gladness. For the Bible says that you chasten those that you love. And so, Father, the fact that you would remind us about the quality of obedience and what it does for our life, we know that you love us as a result. And so we say thank you. Now, Father, I ask that as I begin to open my mouth and to share your word, that you would give me everything to say, Father. Let it be all of you and none of me. Hide me behind the cross that men would see you and not me. They would glorify you, Father, that they would want to honor you and to obey your word. And Father, we ask that you will bless each and every person who's under the sound of my voice today and then bless those who will hear this via uh, the broadcast or, or sometime later on a podcast. We ask that you would bless them, Father, that as they hear this word, it would change their life. For we know that you said in your word that our words have the potential to change our lives. And so we only want to speak those things that you speak and say those things that you have us to say. In your son Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say it, amen, amen. and amen. 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 Go ahead and take your seat, amen. Uh, going to jump right into the message for today. Uh, what we tried to do last week before the Holy Spirit just absolutely arrested our service. Amen. Now, how do you know that was good, though? It was good. And if you weren't here last week, uh, I'm going to encourage you to go back and to uh, listen to the tape because it wasn't me preaching, but they got on tape basically what happened in service. Um, and, and really, the, the Lord just began to speak to us last week. And there were some things I think that we solidified on last week. Uh, you know, there were I, I distinctly remember there were three things that we that we believed for and prayed for and received on last week. And one of those things that we, we prayed about were people who were business people in our church, people who uh, were entrepreneurs, people who are either had businesses or had started businesses. Uh, who depended on sales or commissions or, or people buying into their product or using their services. And we just declared that there was going to be such an increase that the business owners in this church were going to have to start hiring people to help them run their businesses. How many of y'all received that from last week? Amen. 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 And I've been, I've been praying this week over you. Uh, over every business, every time I thought about it, and I'd ride my bike and I'd be thinking about it, I'd say, Lord, bless all the business owners of FOC. Make them millionaires, Father, in the name of Jesus. And then we began to pray on last week for those of you who have jobs, who actually like your jobs, uh, but you just don't make enough money at your job. Uh, I'm a firm believer that, that everybody ought to have multiple streams of income, but everybody doesn't want to be an entrepreneur as their main stream of income. That there are people who like being nurses, people who like being teachers and firefighters and police officers, and people who like uh, you know, working for corporations and those kind of things, and those people are needed. Uh, but we also know that you don't have to have your life dictated to just because you work those jobs, that God can increase you on those jobs, amen? And then lastly, we pray for the people who hate their jobs. We pray for people who, who say, you know what, I'm doing this right now because this provides for my family, but this is not my life's end. This is not how I see myself spending my next 30 years. And so we began to pray for those people. And I'm telling you, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you would be diligent about your job searches. You would hear the Lord, that you would be open and receptive, that you won't allow a job description to talk you out of applying for something that God says. You know, Pastor Sean was saying this morning, she said, I love that definition you gave it. I may have to have you give it again, 
but she was basically saying something like an idol is basically something you got to check with before you decide to obey God. And I was thinking so many times we let what's on a piece of paper become our God because the job description says you have to have this, but God's telling you to apply. But you say, well, I can't apply because they say I got to have this. If God says go, you go and you let him deal with the rest of it. Amen. And so I just, I'm praying for those of you that are applying for jobs that you don't let a job description talk you out of if you believe God's telling you to apply, amen? And so really, I want to get into what Pastor Sean simply said. Uh, she said it so eloquently. She said, basically, what I've been saying the last uh, four weeks or so is just basically we're talking about how to stop something from being our God other than God, amen? Now, we talked about it in context of money. Uh, but you can apply that to anything, just like she said earlier today. And so I want to jump in, and the first thing I want to do is I want to read uh, from Luke chapter 16. Our screen is not working, the projector is not working today, so those of you who are not used to that, it's going to be like old school. You may have to get you a pen and, and, a pen and some paper and, and get your phone and your Bible out, and you might have to go with me today, amen? Uh, and I promise you, I promise you that uh, you will end up in a place that I, I believe will, will absolutely help you. And so I want to look at Luke chapter 16. Uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 10 through 14, is the premise for where we started. If you remember, uh, the title of this series is called How to Be Free from Mammon, amen? How to Be Free from Mammon, or the Spirit of Mammon. Uh, and I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to give you 10 uh, look-fors, 10 look-fors that we have talked about the last several weeks, so that you can just write them down. Uh, and then after that, I got six things I want to give you for how to overcome mammon, and then we're going to go home. Uh, they'll be fairly quick, uh, so if I go a little faster, you should just tell me to hold on if you want to write these down. I will put these into the app, so if you download the FOC app, this will be available to you later on this afternoon. Luke chapter 16, verse 10 through 14 says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in that which is much. And he who is unjust in the least is also unjust where there is much. It says, if therefore you have not been faithful in the, right, in the unrighteous mammon, he says, who will commit to your trust true riches? It says, and if you have not been faithful in that which belongs to another man, who will give you that which is your own? For no servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he would hold on to one and end up despising the other. It says, you cannot serve both God and mammon. And the covetous Pharisees laughed at him. And so Jesus is speaking here, and he's, he's giving an example, and he's using the context of money. And I believe he used the context of money because money was something that was universal to everybody. And so basically he's saying to them, understand that in this world there's always going to be something that's going to be competing for your attention besides me. Now, whether that's money, whether that's a relationship, whether it's a job, whether it's he says, always know this. There's always going to be competition about who's going to be first place in your life. He says, and I want you to understand that although money is important, understand that you cannot serve both me and money. And when we talk about money, he, he uses the word mammon instead of money because we talked about the fact that money really is just neutral. He says what you can't do is you can't serve God and you can't serve another spirit besides God. And so that's what he's trying to get them to understand. And so in this teaching, there are 10 things that we've talked about so far that I want to bring back your, 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 your memory to. Number one, we said that mammon is not the same thing as money. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. neighbor. Mammon. mammon 
and money, and money are, not are not synonymous. synonymous. It's important that you understand that because mammon is a spirit. It's an influential spirit. Mammon wants you to, to bow down to it rather than you bowing down to God. And mammon, if money is not your thing, because some people don't care about money, but relationships may be your thing. And if relationships are your thing, then mammon will want you to bow down to that relationship as, as opposed to obeying God. If, if, if whatever is in your life is deemed as important, it will always try to push itself above where God's importance is. And you have to be careful that you don't let anything do that to you. It is the reason that we tell people all the time that no matter how many material possessions you got, you can't put those material possessions above the person who gave you the ability to get the material possession. It's amazing. Folk come to church every week when they don't have a car. But then they get a car and then they don't come to church and they spend time washing their car on Sunday. You cannot worship the thing greater than the person who got you the thing. And so it's important that you understand that mammon is, is a spirit. It's not just money. It's a spirit that wants to attach itself to it. So number one, mammon is not the same thing as, as money. Number two, we said that mammon is simply the name of the false god of riches. Mammon is just a name for a false god. Mammon is the name of the thing that's trying to usurp God's authority in your life. Mammon is the name of the thing that's pressuring you to disobey God and then giving you justification while you're doing it. That's what mammon is. Mammon causes you to disobey God and then mammon whispers to you the justification so you can repeat it to yourself so you can buy into the lie of why you're disobeying God and why it's cool to do so. Mammon is the name of a false god. Number three, we said mammon's job is to tempt you to trust it rather than God. Mammon's job is to tempt you to trust it rather than God. Mammon says they telling you at that church you're supposed to tithe. You better not tithe. You better listen to me and, tell, and do it the way I tell you to do it. Don't you tithe. You keep that money and put it in the bank so you will need it. His only job is to get you to trust it rather than God. Number four, mammon is neither, I mean, money is neither righteous or unrighteous. Understand that. Money's just a tool. Money is neutral. There is no, somebody said, well, would you take money from a drug dealer? Sure will. Absolutely. People say, well, if somebody won the lottery, would you take the money? You doggone skippy, I would. And if you don't, I'll take your portion. Because money is neutral. Money is neutral. Money is only good or bad based on the person who is using it and what they're using it for. Watch this. You can take somebody who gets ill-gotten gains. They can take those ill-gotten gains and use those ill-gotten gains for a good purpose. And the purpose of the money at that particular point was good. Somebody robs a bank. That's bad. They take the money and buy somebody food who was starving. That's good. The person was bad when they took the money. The money was bad. They used it for good. The money was good. Money is neutral. It's what you put on it. So when you get money, money is not bad or good. It's what you do with it when you have it. Amen? The next one, wait, number five. Jesus went to great lengths to explain how money and trust were connected. Jesus says money and trust is connected. He says that your money and your trust is connected because money means something to you. 
And anytime something means something to you, you're going to put your heart there. And the Bible says that when you put your heart there, the rest of you will be there. It is true. You can look in any situation. It is the reason that we can get so upset if we think someone is doing something disrespectful to our children because our hearts are with them. And if you disrespect our children, there is no separation between disrespecting our children and disrespecting us. It is the reason that you won't trip if somebody do something to you, but if they did the same thing to your kid, you come unglued because your heart is with them. The, and what Jesus says is do not fool yourself. Money and trust are tied together, and it's because of the heart relationship with money. If money is important, and look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. Money, money is, is important. important. Don't fool yourself. Don't be super spiritual up in here talking about money ain't important. It's very important. It's so important it dictates what time you get up every morning. Money is so important it dictates when your off day going to be. Money is so important it dictates where you live. It dictates how much you're going to eat, where you're going to live, what you're going to drive, and whether or not you're going to get new tires. Money dictates everything. And God, he didn't trip about that. He said, listen, money may dictate everything, but all you got to do is get the one that dictates everything else. He says, I am God. While money is important here in this realm, I have the ability to supersede this realm, and I can do more for you than the money can do. He says, so you ain't got to choose money or God. You can get God and the money. So it's important for us to understand that. What were we, number six? We said that Mammon's, we, we said we talked, Mammon's job is to keep us in debt. Watch this, both financially and spiritually. Mammon wants us to trust it, and then Mammon wants to keep us in debt. Mammon wants you to trust it because if you trust in money, then money can put you in bondage. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor you, may not believe this, you may not believe this, but money, but money can, make you can make you insatiable. insatiable. Now, let me tell you what that means. You may say today, all I need is a million dollars. If I had a million dollars, I wouldn't have no worries. I pay off all my debt. I save a little bit. I'd be good forever. Until you saw something you wanted to cost a million and one dollars. <laughs> And the moment you saw something that cost a million and one dollars, you would need more than that million dollars. And so now what money will do is money will bring you to the line and you think that'll be enough. But once you if you decide to obey God, money will whisper to you to come a little for, a little step further. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor, money is insatiable. So that's why you can't serve it, because you can never get it. You can never lay hold to it. It's like the dangling carrot. As closer you get to it, it'll always move the goal. And so you cannot serve money. You cannot serve the spirit that tries to influence money, which is mammon. So mammon's job is to keep us in debt, and we're going to talk about a little bit, a little bit more about that later. The next one, money is neither righteous nor, nor unrighteous. We talked about that, right? Then we said that trusting money always opens the door to Satan's influence. 
What? Yes, number seven. Trusting money always opens the door to Satan's influence. Trusting money will always open the door. Because if you trust in money, remember what we just said? If you trust in money, what's money going to do? It's going to make you insatiable for it. It's going to keep craving you for it. And then at some point, the money's going to say, well, in order to get it, you got to do this. Now, once you enter into the realm of doing something a little, because it won't make it won't make you do something illegal at first. It starts off with something that's a little immoral. Now, now, now let me help you. The reason it starts off with doing something a little immoral, something like this. Oh, well, just don't claim that on your taxes. Now, now see, because because the devil ain't gonna be like, you know, just rob the bank, dude. Ain't gonna do that. Mm-mm. But what it will say is, hey, they paid you in cash. Just don't count that. You know, it don't matter. Other people do it. Everybody don't count all the money they get. Mm. Because what it wants you to do is it wants you to compromise. Because then once it compromises, the next time it asks you to do something, it reminds you that you compromised before. Anytime the devil can get you to compromise, he uses your compromise the next time when he wants you to go further. So he's like, okay, you trusted money this time and you did that. Now what I can get you to do for it? Now next time, maybe I can actually get you to file a false tax return. It's not that big a deal. I mean, you just, you just don't count a couple thousand dollars that you got. and You just don't worry about it. You just file the tax return. And then the devil said, well, you did it last year. They didn't catch you. And so you do it again. And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And seven years later, the IRS comes back and audits you. And for seven years, they figure out that you didn't claim certain amounts of money on your taxes. And then what they say is, okay, now you owe us $15,000. You have 30 days to pay it. And if you don't, then we're going to start accessing a penalty every single day until the day you pay it. So what you thought you got away with, what you thought money was giving you because you was trusting it, now got you in a world of hurt. And then you end up and you go to some of these businesses and you see those big pink labels on their door. Shut down from business because they didn't pay their taxes. Why? Because they didn't have any integrity. They weren't being obedient where money was concerned. Listen, if you are an entrepreneur in this church and you're required to pay a tax, pay it. God got you. You don't have to cheat in order to get ahead. That is the world system. Remember the dude who went to the people and said, hey, dude, what you owe? He said, I owe 100. He said, write down 60. That's the world's way of working, not God's way of working. And so you got to make sure that you get yourself together. Amen. What number are we on? Number eight. We said the spirit of mammon always leads to worship of material possessions. If you allow the spirit of mammon to come into your life, you will eventually begin to worship material possessions. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor your, life your life is not, is not the, sum the sum total of the things, of the things that you possess. That you possess. Come on, that's good. Man, passion or not, listen, maybe because we a little country, I don't know. But we go places and we talk to people all the time. They drive Mercedes Benz. They live in these nice homes. They got these red bottom shoes. They, they got all these designer clothes. They don't have any savings and sometimes they behind on their house note. I'm like, how you drive a Benz and you behind on your house note? How do you, how do you have all of these material things but you can't put your hand on five grand? 
You, it's because people buy into the idea I got to look a certain way. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, there's a huge difference in looking rich and being rich. It's a huge difference. You got a $500 Louis Vuitton wallet and you got $20 in it. You got a $500 wallet, but you don't have but $20 in it. You can't go to the ATM and pull out $22 more dollars. But, 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 you got, but, you, but you got a wallet that's $500 because when you pull it out with your 20 in it, you want people to see it's Louis Vuitton. How about you go to Walmart and get you an $8 uh, black pleather wallet and then stick you $450 in the wallet? The spirit of mammon will make you love things. I like things. My wife will tell you, my, my wife, if, 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 my, if my material, physical wealth matched up with my spiritual wealth today, y'all would think I was over the top. Because I like things. But I don't like things when things have to control my life. And so I'm not going to go out and spend thousands of dollars to look, to, to perpetrate a fraud to some folk who don't even know me. Because that's really what it's doing. You're perpetrating the fraud. You, 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 you're, carrying, you, you're carrying these expensive bags, but, but your debit card got negative balances. So you got to be careful. The spirit of mammon to make you become a person who worships material possessions. And then number nine, we said this already. You cannot serve both God and mammon. You cannot serve two gods. You will not be able to serve two gods. It produces double-mindedness. And then number 10, the last learning we had from the last two weeks was this, is that the spirit of mammon has but one goal, and that's to lure us away from God, to cause us to trust it. That's his job. That's his job. So I want to give you these six things. I was going to do this last week, so I want to give you these six things, and, and then we're going to go. Um, number nine was that you cannot serve two gods, cannot serve two masters, cannot have them. You will love one and hate the other. And you fool yourself if, you, if, you, if you're not honest with yourself. Pashan said it earlier this morning. She said, you need to look and see. Who do you check with before you obey God? And if the answer is anybody, <laughs> that is your God. If the answer is anything, that is your God. And then we said number 10 was that the spirit of man's job is to cause us to trust it. wants us to lure us away from God. So how do we be free? How do we get free? How do we get ourselves free from man? Because as a teacher, you know, I want you to make sure that you have this so that you can go back and, and judge your life. So number one, if we're going to be free from man, here's what we must do. We must not put our trust in mammon, and we must realize when it's trying to influence us. Number one, we must not put our trust in money or mammon, and we must realize when, it is, when the spirit of mammon is trying to influence us. I told you on last week, one of the things that Pastor Shum and I did early, early, early on in our relationship, and we still do it to this day, is the Lord tells us to give something, and it's time for us to, to give that 
we basically go to each other and I say, hey, this is what I believe the Lord's head, this is what she believes, or we're sometimes just, we don't even tell each other, we just write it on a piece of paper. And whatever the higher number is, that's what we go with. Because, and the reason we do that is because we refuse to allow the spirit of mammon to take control of our life. If I say give 500 and she say give 250, we don't go to 250. Because by, in, in doing that, what we're doing is we're giving into the pressure that is somehow if we give what one of us heard the Lord say that was greater than what we thought, then we're giving into the pressure that we're letting the spirit of mammon control us. So I tell people all the time, I don't even come to church. Well, I, as far as my tithe is concerned, yes, but I don't, I don't necessarily come to church with a preconceived idea about what I'm going to give that week in terms of my offering. I want to hear God in the midst of the service. What should I give that week? Because whatever I hear God say, that's what I want to be called doing. I want to be obedient to that. You know, there are some people who write their check out, their tithe and their offering check before they ever get here, which is fine. But are you subject to hearing God if God says something different? Are you willing to tear the check up if God says go higher? Uh, are, you, are you willing to do what God is asking you to do? One of the things that we talked about is the application of Scripture is always based on context. And that lifting Scriptures out of context can cause us to err. The context that we read in Luke chapter 16, verse 10 through 14, is about a steward who was unfaithful with his master's money. Jesus called money the least. Now, isn't it important that you think about that? One of the most important things that we think in our life, money, he calls it the least. And the reason he calls it the least is because he wanted us to put things in proper perspective. That money, while important, is not greater than the anointing. Amen. And tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. money can never do for you what the anointing can do. Because the Bible says the anointing has the ability to remove yokes and to break barriers and to do all kind of things. Money can't do that for you. The anointing can get sickness off your life. Money cannot. All money can do is get you to go to a doctor who can practice on you. But the anointing can lift burdens off your life and remove yokes off your life. Amen? So, so we can learn a lot about somebody by watching how they handle money. Jesus knew this when he watched the people put in money in the treasury. You can just write this down in Mark chapter 12, verse 41 through 44. Here's what it says. It says, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple, and he watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Now notice that. Jesus is watching. It says, many rich people put in large amounts. It says, then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Notice what he says in verse 43. It says, Jesus called his disciples over to him and he said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions for they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she has to live on. So it's never about you giving a certain amount of money because the truth of the matter is here, as many people as it is, we also have as many different levels of what we can give. Jesus never asked me to give based on what Rich gives. He never asked Chris to give based on what Mika's giving. What he is asking you to give is based on what he's trying to do for you in your personal life. So you don't have to compare what you give to someone else. It's why we don't have banquets where we have banquets to honor the biggest givers in the church. And I know that people do that and I understand some of the reason that they do it. But that's one of the reasons I've never bought into that. Every time you give out of obedience is just as important as anybody else who gave. And it doesn't matter the amount. Now, yes, it takes money to run a ministry, but I'm a firm believer that if everybody obeys God, eight people doing it is better than 80 folks not doing it. Amen. So if we want to discover where someone's heart is, all we have to do is look at where their treasure is. 
You can look at a man and, t- and determine how much he loves his wife by what he gives her. People say, oh, that's not true. Now, I ain't just talking about material things. You can see what he does for her. It is impo- I, tell people, I tell people all the time, if a dude say he into you, but you making all the effort, he just ain't that into you. He just ain't that into you. Because I, I, it don't matter. Every married man in here, I could line them up. They have a story they can tell you about something they did out of character to get their wife. That's the truth. Listen, there, there's this. Now, now, I don't care what the relationship is like now. Y'all, you might can't stand each other right now. But there was a time. I can line them up and every single man in this room who is married can tell you that there was a time that he did something for the current one that he didn't do for nobody else. I'm telling you, that's that's how you know where his heart is. The Bible says you don't have to try to figure it out. Just look at what people are passionate about. Just look at what they're passionate about. Folk, folk are passionate about certain things. You know, it's always funny to me when people be like, oh, man, you know, I don't want to drive all the way from Fayetteville to Rogers for church. But then they snapping it on Instagram and Facebook and they in Dallas at a concert. Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Did, did, I, did, I mis, did I misconstrue that going to Dallas was a shorter trip than from Fayetteville to Rogers? It's what's important to you. You do what's important to you. Whatever is important to you, you put your heart there. And when you put your heart there, it's not hard to do. People used to ask me all the time, why did you drive an hour and 45 minutes one way every day for two and a half years? Because my heart was there and it was important for her to stay here, but I needed to work. So I made the sacrifice because my heart was there. When a man's heart is somewhere, you ain't got to ask him why. You ain't got to ask him why. It'll show up in his life. And I'm telling you, if it's, if it's, that's why people can't say, oh, I love the Lord. You love the Lord, but you don't do nothing he asks you to do. He'll show up in your life, amen? amen? So it's important that we understand that. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 21, it says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. He says, wherever your treasure is, you can put that treasure on the hill. Your heart going to be on the hill. <laughs> wherever, it doesn't matter. It's wherever it is. Wherever your affection is. Now, listen, I'm going to say this because me and Pastor Sean, we, we talk and we joke and we play with each other all the time and we laugh about stuff. One of the things we've always said is, listen, we, you know, it, don't, don't, don't never, ever, ever in your life. And I ain't ever, ever, ever in my life. Gonna give somebody else our money. <laughs> now, 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 see, people go, oh, I thought he was gonna say not cheap. No, we don't wanna do that either. But don't you never, don't you never, if you happen to get involved with somebody else, don't you give him my money. Because that's what, my, money is my treasure. I use it to laud on her because then it keeps my affection with her. But don't you give nobody else my money. Call, say it with you. I'd rather you give your affection, but don't you give. Oh, <laughs> don't you give nobody else my money. Now, 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 here, now, now that, that sounds funny, but it's, it demonstrates the importance that it doesn't matter what's in your life. Whatever you deem is important, you don't want nobody else to have it. 
That's the reason that people don't, sometimes, you, you know, you, you wonder why people don't care whether you call them or they don't see you or, or they don't say nothing to you. And you're like, oh, well, they don't text me back. They, don't call. they ain't that into you. Listen, I ain't trying to be funny. Nobody's that busy. Nobody's that busy. Nobody is. Nobody's that busy. So if I text you two, three, four times and you don't text me back, I get it. I get it. I get it. Amen. It's cool. No problem. But you've shown me where your heart is. Matthew 6, 21. It's the reason that if my wife texts me and I'm, and I'm on Facebook before I text her back, she's like, mm, I saw you on Facebook. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Because if you got time to be on Facebook, you got time. That's right. That's right. That's right, talking to them folks you don't know. But you <laughs> Listen, Mammon lies to us, and Mammon tells us the opposite of what God says. The spirit of Mammon is actually the spirit of Satan. He tries to seduce us by convincing us to put money before God and to pursue wealth as a primary goal. But the Bible doesn't say that. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his, and then all of these will be he said, that is the process, not seeking after the stuff and then talking about how you're going to honor God with the stuff when you get it. He says, no, honor God first. The money we have is under the same influence that we are. Mammon says to hoard it, but God says give it away. Here's, the, here's how you know if you have the wrong relationship with money. If indeed God asks you to give something, and it causes something on the inside of you to become angry or fearful and you'd rather hoard something. Do you know that if a farmer hoards his seed, he will never get a harvest? So you can't be a person who even believes that somehow when you spend or do something that God's told you to do with money, that that money's not going to come back to you. And if it is, you got to fix that because that is the thing that says that that's when you can go, you know what? The spirit of mammon is over my life. It is over my life. I talked to you last week about the fact that you, can, you, know, you, can't, you can't give somebody five or $10 and then the whole week you're talking about, man, if I wish I had that five or $10 back. Man, if I had that five or $10. Because listen, you know how many times, this is honest to God true. You know how many times sometimes, you know how many times people spend the same $5? Let, 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 me, help, let me help you. I give Chris $5, right? Now the whole week I'm talking about, man, if I had that $5, I could have bought me a meal today. The, the, the next day, if I had that five dollars, I could have paid that parking ticket. Next day, man, if I had five dollars, I could have got me a double, double, double. You know, could have got me a, a coffee at Starbucks. You ain't had but five. You done spent it three different times. That's fifteen dollars. You can't spend five dollars that many times. But you know why people do that? The spirit of man is on their life. They can't focus because they done spent that $5 and they keep spending it over and over and over again. Let that $5 go. Let it go. Number two, if we're going to learn to get, to get over this issue of mammon, number two, we must avoid falling for mammon's lies. We must avoid Falling for mammon's lies. We cannot fall for the trick. P. 
People have been led to believe that money itself is the root of all evil, but that is not a biblical statement. There is nothing wrong with money. We talked about that. The Bible tells us, it says that the love of money, and when it says love of money, it don't even mean like in terms like I love money, but it's talking about it in terms of having a wrong relationship where money is concerned. If, you, if money is before God, that's the wrong relationship. It says that is what makes it evil because your heart's evil because you're trying to place something above God. God wants us to be blessed financially in the same way that Abraham, Isaac, and Solomon were blessed. God has no problem with you and I being rich. To look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. say rich, rich is a part, is a part of, your of your inheritance. It is. It is. So to deny, so for God to deny you being rich would be him having to deny you being his child. And he's never going to do that. He's never going to deny that. Satan's objectives was to be like God, but not, in a, not, but not in a good sense. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 14, uh, verse 12 through 15, it says that Satan said, how, it said the, the Bible says, How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside over the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. Instead, though, you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. And that's what happens if you begin to worship money. You, I, I, was thinking about, I was thinking about it this week because it's been in the news and you've probably seen it. One of the most powerful men in Hollywood, Harvey Weinstein. I mean, he, I mean just one of the most powerful men in all, had millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. And now look, everybody in Hollywood running from him. Everybody running from him. The, the reports say his brother was the one who turned him in. Yeah, his brother was like, you know what? I'm going to turn you in because then I can get the company. Now, who turns a brother in except somebody who wants the money? Everybody's just being controlled by the spirit of mammon. The fact of the matter is, there were people who probably should have reported him a long time ago. But the reality is, they was controlled by mammon too, because they feel like if I turn him in, I won't get that part. Everybody's just being controlled by the spirit of mammon. And as a result, you have all this stuff going on. But mammon will never sustain you long term. It'll always come back to bite you. No one can be like God except God. The anointing from him removes burdens and destroys yokes. Satan tries to use money as a negative anointing. Satan wants to use money as a negative anointing in the same manner that God uses his anointing in a positive direction. Satan wants you to believe that if you have enough money, it can solve all your problems. Money will not solve all your problems. In fact, the, the, the great philosopher, Biggie Smalls, actually said it like this. <laughs> More money, more problems. <laughs> Listen, when we trust God <laughs> with whatever happens in our lives, the Bible reminds us that although we may encounter some problems, they won't last. It says weeping may endure for the night, but what? Joy comes in the morning. 
Trusting God in one is one way to break free from the spirit of mammon. If you just put all of your weight on him, Chris was singing that song, and that's one of the things he says. He says, I put my weight on him. When you put your weight on God, it breaks your need to trust mammon because all of you is waiting on God. God is our hope of God is our hope. And the Bible says that he is our joy and our strength. In fact, in Nehemiah 8 and 10, it says that the joy of the Lord becomes our strength. So the joy that we have that God is a good, good father, that he is perfect in all of his ways becomes our joy, whether we have money or whether we don't. Paul said it like this. Paul said, I've learned to be up here and I've learned to be down here. I've learned to have a lot and I've learned not to have any. But all I know is that in every situation, I've learned to praise and honor God. And when you get to the place where you can honor God that way, then the things that the material things in the world stop having such a major effect on you. Amen. We must choose God rather than mammon. We cannot choose them both. The Bible, we've read this many times, says in James 1, 7 and 8, that a double minded man is what? Unstable in what? And the Bible says, let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. He didn't say he won't receive anything, but he's not going to receive anything from God. Only what you get from God is going to last. So you might, so you might get some stuff being double-minded, but it ain't going to be from God. And if it ain't from God, it ain't going to last. Number three, if we're going to overcome this spirit of mammon, we must realize that mammon wants to keep us in debt. Mammon wants us in bondage. One of the things that, that, that we used to talk about so often, and, then, and it was so funny how the spirit of mammon influenced the church and influenced people's minds. But I remember back early, like in the, in the late 90s and in, in early 2000s, you, you almost heard everybody talking about the supernatural, the supernatural things of God, how God was getting people out of debt supernaturally. We even had our own supernatural debt experience with a car where God paid off a car and then totally took it off of our credit. I mean, God did something supernatural for us. And then what happened is people started saying, oh, you know, uh, they just saying that to get your money and they're doing this and they just tricking you and blah, blah, blah. And then what happened is people had wrong motive for why they was giving. People was giving, trying to get like it was some kind of genie in a bottle situation rather than giving because God told them to. And so some folk missed it and did it didn't work right for them. And then what ended up happening is people stopped talking about it. And so the spirit of mammon accomplished his job. It got the church to stop believing for supernatural debt cancellation. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor, neighbor. Supernatural, supernatural debt cancellation, debt cancellation. is just as available, just as available. Right, now, right now as it's always been. It's always Amen been. to that now. Now, I don't know about you, but that's, that, I, 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 there's some supernatural stuff. I'm, I'm waiting God. I want God to pay off. See, that's that sexy message Pastor Sean was talking about. You see how you got right there? <laughs> you see how you turned up right there? You ain't going to get unless you obey. See? <laughs> Listen. The Bible says, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. God says, listen, when you become a sower, when you become a giver, I will call supernatural things to happen in your life. How do we know that? I want you to go to your Bible. I want you to see this. I want you to go to Galatians chapter 4. 
verse 30 through 31. And I'm going to read it, and I don't know if anybody has the ability to, but if anybody in here got the message translation or can pull up the message translation of this same scripture, I want to, I want to, I want to read it out of the message in just a moment because it paints such a clear picture because the King James Version just doesn't do it justice. Galatians chapter 4, verse 30 and 31. Now, verse 31 just says it like this. It says, so, dear brothers and sisters... We are not children of the slave woman. We are children of the free. Is that what yours says, something like that? Yes. And that's cool, but you have to understand the context of what he's saying here. What he's truly saying here is he was saying, look, you're no longer a child of the natural. You are now a child of the supernatural. He says, just like Ishmael, was a child of the natural. His mother was a slave. So because she was a slave, he was born a slave. He says, but, but, but Isaac was the promise. And because he was born from Sarah, who was free, it was a supernatural exchange that caused that old man and that old woman to have a promise. He says, you're not after the slave anymore, but now you're after the promise. In other words, he says, you're not of the natural, but you're of the supernatural. So look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. You, don't you don't have to live just by the natural. By the natural. Say, there is, there is supernatural, supernatural DNA, DNA on, the on the inside of you. Now, now look here, look here. I, I want you to read what this says here. It says, isn't it clear, friends, that you, just like Isaac, are children of promise? In the days of Hagar and Sarah, the child who came from, from faithless convenience. Ishmael harassed the child who came, empowered by the spirit. It says, from faithful promise, Isaac, isn't it clear that the harassment you are now experiencing from Jerusalem heretics follow that old pattern? He said, it, the, the debt that's plaguing you, that's old stuff. That ain't stuff that ought to be coming on you now. He says, there is a scripture that tells us what to do. Expel the slave mother with her son. For the slave son will not inherit the free son. It says, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free. He says, so what you need to do is you need to get the slave way of thinking out of your mind. Get the living in debt way out of your mind. It says, expel that debt way of thinking out of your life and step over in here to this supernatural debt-free living where the Bible says, oh, no man, nothing but to love it. He says, that's what's available to you when the spirit of mammon doesn't control your life. When the spirit of mammon doesn't control your life, you're able to say, I don't know how I got in this situation, but what I do know is the God I serve can now get me out of this situation. He says, but you got to have a mindset that doesn't say, I got to go work harder and get more money. You don't need more money. You just need to hear God better. Because we used to say this all the time. One word from God will absolutely change your life. God can tell you to do one thing and it'll wipe all your debt away just like that. But we got to learn to obey God, amen? amen? Number three. Number four, number four. Number four, oh, you know what? No, no, I'm not done yet. Number three. Say, say I believe, I believe that, supernatural that supernatural debt cancellation, debt cancellation belongs, to me. belongs to me. Let me show you something. Go to 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 6. 
Now, how many of you know that back in the day, iron was expensive? Iron was expensive. If you had iron, that means you had wealth. The Bible gives us an example of supernatural debt deliverance from a man who had borrowed some iron. Now, here's the thing. How many of you have ever borrowed something? Mm-hmm. If you got a mortgage, you're borrowing something right now. You know, what, you know what mortgage actually means? The word mortgage is the same word they use for mortician. It means death. The word, the, the, the actual word mortgage means death grip. That when you get a mortgage, that mortgage has a death grip on your life. That that mortgage dictates everything that you do. You get mad at your boss, you suck it up and take it because mortgage got a grip on your knife. You get mad and want to walk off your job, mortgage grab you by the check, by the neck, sit you down and say, nope, take it. So God says, hey, I don't want somebody to have you by the neck. I want you to be debt free and it's available to you. But you got to get it. You got to hear me about how I want to get you debt free. So 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 5 through 7 says this. It says, but as one was feeding a beam, in other words, was, as a man was cutting down a beam, it says the axe head fell into the water. It says he cried and he said, alas, master, that axe head was borrowed. Now, why was that a big deal? Because the dude who was using it wasn't wealthy. He was borrowing it from somebody else. Now, unlike a lot of us, he had some integrity that if he borrowed something and lost it, he had to pay it back. So the Bible says, so the, now, nowadays, folks, folks break your stuff. They just bring it back to you, like, here you go. And then when you try to use it, you're like, it's brought it. But like, I was good when I gave it back to you. But he wasn't like that. He said, alas, it was borrowed. He says, what am I going to do? The Bible then says that, that he looked over and he says, and the man of God said to him, where did the axe fall? And he showed him the place where he had cut down, it says he showed him the place where it fell. It says, and the man of God cut down a stick. Now watch this. He cast the stick into the water. It said, and the iron started to swim. Now, now, now when you read that, you'd be like, now wait a minute. Surely this got misinterpreted somewhere, you know, that can't be like that. It says, no, he cut a piece of stick. He threw the stick where the, where the iron was, and it said the iron got up and started swimming. It says, and he put his hand out, and the iron came to him. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. God has, God has. A, million ways a million ways of getting you out of debt. Just whisper to him and say, neighbor, you just need one. That's it. You just need one. You don't need a million. The other 999, whatever it is, you leave that to somebody else. You just need one thing to get you out of debt. God has your one thing available. So we just can't be subject to, we have, we have to get in our minds, I'm not going to be subject to debt because if I'm, when I'm subject to debt, mammon has the ability to at least influence me greater than what I wanted to. Amen? All right, number four. We must remember that mammon breeds discontent. We talked about that earlier. Mammon breeds discontent. You will never have enough money to make you happy. Happiness has to come internally. I say all the time, I'm happy. I love my life. It's great. Having more money will be, be good. 
but it's not going to make me happy. I'm happy now. If you're not happy now, having a lot of money won't make you happy long term. It's just, it's just, not, it's just not a fix. We, we know, you can look at people who have won the lottery, people who have got millions of dollars. They're not any happier. Listen, if, you, if you're in a jacked up marriage now and you can't afford a divorce and you win a lottery and you get money, you just now got the money to get divorced. But it, it, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't make your marriage better. You didn't get happier as a result. And so you can't get to the place where you think money itself makes you happier. It does not. M this, this spirit of, of, of mammon just breeds discontent. We talked about the Apostle Paul, Philippians 4, 11 through 13. You can just write that down. He says, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I'm in to be content. For I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Now, here's what, here's what everybody quotes, and you'll know this part. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But remember what I talked about context? You cannot lift a part of a scripture out of context and use it for your own benefit. So when you're quoting, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Here's what he says, whether you got money or not. That's the context is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me regardless of my current situation. But people use that scripture to say, well, you know what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. I got it. I don't need no help. I can do it all by myself. Just me and the Lord. Me, myself, and I and God. That's the Trinity. Uh -huh. <laughs> Understand something. That scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, is about your resolve to be cool no matter the situation. So if you can only be nice when you come to church because you got paid on Friday, that's the issue. You got to be able to be nice whether it's payday or not payday. Amen. Whether an unexpected bill came or not. You got to learn, like Paul said, I've learned to be, to, be, to be the same whether I'm up here or I'm down here. So we got to remember that. Number five. We must understand that the spirit of mammon wants to mislead the world. The spirit of mammon seeks to mislead. It wants to mislead the world. The world does not mean creation. It means the environment that encourages greed, a craving for everything we see, and the reliance on earthly possessions. If you spend a lot of your time wanting stuff, you got to reevaluate how the spirit of man is affecting you. You know, there are times I know I frustrate my wife because she'll say to me, okay, what do you want for your birthday? What do you want for anniversary? What do you want for so-and-so? What do you want for so-and-so? And the truth of the matter is, rarely there's a time that I can think of something off the top of my head that I want. I just don't have a want for stuff. The things I want is not stuff. I want to see you blessed. I want to see you wealthy. I want to see you doing well. I want to see your families doing well. I want to do well on my job. I want to be able to make decisions to influence kids' lives. Those are the things I want. So those aren't, th those aren't material things. So when you have to press me for a material thing, I have to search my mind about stuff that I want. But sometimes you ask folks what they want, and they list is long. <laughs> I mean, they couldn't wait for somebody to ask. And I, and I guess ain't nothing wrong with wanting stuff, but if, but if, but if your life is consumed with thinking about, about stuff, if I ask you what you want and you can name 20 things and I say, tell me five reasons why you love Jesus and you can't, we got a problem. 
So it's important that you understand that you don't let, don't let mammon mislead you. Don't let mammon make you think that getting more stuff is the answer to your problems, because it's not. Because listen, you can fight in a 1,200 square foot house just like you can fight in a 12,000 square foot house. The problem in 12,000 square feet, you ain't got to see each other. 1,200 square feet, you bound to bump into each other at some point. It may force you to talk. But you got 12,000 square feet, y'all just be hiding from each other for a week at a time. Here's what I mean. Adam and Jesus faced the same situation. They had the same temptation. The difference that affected the outcomes was that Adam was seduced by the spirit of mammon, where Jesus successfully resisted it. Remember when Adam was in the garden? He was seduced into trying something that wasn't his. It didn't belong to him. But the spirit of mammon said, come on, take it, try it. The reason he don't want you to have it is because he knows you're going to be just like him. The problem was Adam was already just like him. Jesus faced the same situation. Remember when he was fasting? The devil said, hey, why don't you take these stones? Turn them into bread. You know you're hungry, bro. You know you're hungry. Just eat the stones. Or he says, you know what? Hey, you know what? If you just bat on me just real quick, just, 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 one, just one time. Because you got to know that's how I went. He wasn't like, bat on a word. He was like, just, 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 come on, just do like this. Just, just, just like this, Jesus. Just real quick. I'll give you the whole kingdom if you just, 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 just real quick. Well, Jesus understood I already got the kingdom. I, I, I own the kingdom. I don't have to bow to something to get something. Listen, you don't have to bow to mammon to get what God's already made available to you. You can pass the test just like Jesus did rather than failing like Adam did. And then lastly, number six, you must understand that the spirit of mammon typically is accompanied by the spirit of poverty. Mammon's sidekicks are poverty and pride. Mammon's sidekicks are poverty and pride. Because if mammon can influence your life, he will influence your life to get you in a situation where either poverty or pride or both will take over your life. Mm-hmm. We must understand that the spirit of mammon is typically accompanied by the spirit of poverty and or pride. They are, they are, they are, they are mammon sidekicks. Poverty and pride. The Bible says that pride goeth right before the fall. Right? It's pride and then fall. It's pride and fall. And what happens is, is you, the, spirit of, the spirit of pride will get on you so that you won't even ask for help. You know those people I was talking about earlier who, who, who got these benzes and houses and they're not paying their they mortgages and they're they behind on bills and they don't pay their creditors and, and, and stuff like that? Listen, they have to keep that image up. You, it, it's, it's not impossible to do, but it's hard for people to do when you go from flossing to reality. That, that's hard for people. So if you spent your life trying to look a certain way, and now you just need to be real and be like, you know what, I can't afford none of this. Most people can't do it. So what they do, right, 
That, that, that's pride, right? They keep pride going until eventually they can't keep up and then they come to poverty and everything falls apart. Why? Because they, were, they didn't know, but they were being, or maybe they did, they were being controlled by the spirit of man. Here's the thing. Do not live outside your means. That's the biggest way to stop the spirit of mammon from coming at you. Do not live outside your means. Now, now, now when I somebody say, well, Pastor, what about faith? Let your faith catch up. No, I'm serious. Listen, I, I, you can have faith for something. Keep the faith for it and let it manifest. But don't go charge it. Don't, don't charge your faith. I, I, I just believe God, he's going to send me a thousand dollars, so I'm going to go ahead and buy these, buy, these, buy these new things and just go ahead and believe God for it. That ain't how faith works. Faith, foolishness, and presumption. You got to know which one you operating in. And sometimes people think they're in faith and that's just presumption. You're just hoping that something's going to happen. And then sometimes it's just straight foolishness. You need a new car, but rather than getting you a car where you got a $300 car note, you go get you a brand new Benz and it's $950 a month. And you're talking about what God going to make up the difference. <laughs> and then even if you can afford the car, even if you can afford the car note, you can't take your Benz to Jiffy Lube. You got to take it to the dealership where you got it from. An authorized dealer. They're going to charge you $145 every oil change. And if you don't go every $3,000, they're going to decertify your car. So you got, you, you, got to, you got to realize, okay, am I in faith here or am I just trying to make God do something? Now, I realize that you won't always have everything that you need before you step out. But you got to listen to God's leading. Yes. And you got you to be able to be self-aware. There's got to be some self-actualization about where your faith is. There, there, are, there, are, there are things that I've seen Pastor Cynthia do. I just can't do them yet. You know, folk be like, well, Pastor, why don't you just go get, just go, just go get a building? You got good credit? Yeah, I, the Lord ain't said that yet. So while I could do it, that ain't how God's telling me to do it this time. So, 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 so I have to fight this thing in me that says, hey, I have, the, I have the financial and credit worthiness to just go get a building. But if God ain't tell me to do it that way, then once I get it, I'm responsible for it. And for some people in your life, you've done stuff that you wanted God to bless, but he never, uh, he never anointed it first. You just went and did it. And they said, okay, come on, God. Come on. Come on, God. Come on. But God, God, like, I ain't tell you to do that. And so now you're trying to drag God along based on what you want him to do. And the reality is that's not how it works. The spirit of mammon wants to get you in those situations because now once you're in this situation, you got to figure out a way to get out of it. Or you got to figure out a way to maintain it. Or you got to figure out how it's going to work. And the problem is, is that you ain't smart enough without God to make it work. And that's what a lot of people don't want to hear. Listen, you can set yourself free if you stop thinking you're so smart. You know how many smart folk done done some dumb stuff? I say it all the time. If God don't help me, I'm going to fail anyway. 
I live by. If God don't help me, I'm going to utterly fail. It doesn't matter what school I matriculated from, how many degrees I have, none of that stuff matters. If God doesn't help me, I'm going to fail. Why? Because you're not smart enough to figure it all out. And so we have to get to the place where we go, you know what, I'm not going to let mammon, not just money, I'm not going to let mammon, anything, influence me to putting something above God. What Pastor Sean said earlier this morning is so apropos. We have to love obedience. Amen. The Bible says if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. What land? Your land. Your land. Whatever God has for you, willing and obedient causes you to eat it. It causes you to be stuffed with it. It causes you to be full. It causes your barns to be overflowing. But disobedience will lead you astray. It'll make you have to trust in your own self. And the Bible says in Jeremiah, it says the man that puts his trust in flesh, he says that even when good comes, he won't see it. He won't even see when good is there because he's trusted in himself and he doesn't have the wisdom to see what's good. It says, but a man who puts his trust in the Lord, it says, even when trouble comes, he won't see the trouble. Amen. So the condition of your life is what you're focused on. If you're focused on trouble, it's because you're, it's, if you're focused on trouble, it's because you're putting trust in yourself. But if all you see all around you is the goodness of the Lord, remember she said he'll be before you, he'll be, your, he'll be before you, but he'll also be your rear guard. That means you got the right focus. Yes. And if you got the right focus, this can be the best fall yes. of your life yes. so far. Amen. Yes. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. Give the Lord some praise. Listen, we just, we just, we just believe that we're not going to be influenced by other stuff. I gave you the four questions you had to ask yourself several weeks ago, and then I gave you the other five things, so I won't go over those. I'll put all of those on the website. So if you have the app, you can go to it, you can look at it, read it for yourself. They're in note form, so it's easy for you to follow. Listen, I encourage each and every one of you not to take your life casually. That's all I can tell you. You get out of life what you put into it. You gotta, and, and there are some things you gotta work. We used to say this all the time, work the word, word work, work for you. But you got to work it. You got you to gotta read it. You got you to gotta meditate on it. And when we say meditate on it, you know, that, that word meditate gives you the picture of a cow who eats grass. When a cow eats grass, they eat the grass and they regurgitate the grass. They eat the same grass again. They do it again. They do it over and over about three or four times because they're getting all of the nourishment out of that grass. They ain't leaving nothing to chance. You need to be listening to word. Yes. Whatever direction your life is going, if you need to, Pastor Shannon said it before, if you need word about healing, listen to healing. Amen. You need a word about finances, get you some financial scriptures. Go and find examples of what God did to somebody else when they had a financial need. And then read Acts 10, 35 that says, God is no respecter of persons. So if God did it for the man who acts fell in the water, God will do it for me. And then we just have to get to the place where we say, you know what, God, I trust you. What Chris said earlier, we got to put all our weight, all our weight on God. When we put all our weight on God, it can be scary, but it's the most rewarding thing that will ever happen to you. It's the most rewarding thing. You never know you trust somebody until you put your weight on them. You only trust somebody, really trust somebody when you're vulnerable. 
you got to be vulnerable to trust. If, 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 if your relationship with God doesn't put you in a vulnerable spot, you don't really trust him. Because the truth is, if it doesn't put you in a vulnerable spot, it's because you got your affection somewhere else. You got, you got, you like, if God don't come through, I got this and this and this and this and this and this. Trusting God should be scary to your flesh. It should be terrifying to your flesh. It should be joy to your spirit, but it should be terrifying to your flesh. Your flesh should be screaming to you, are you sure you want to do this? Is this, is this, we want to put all our eggs in this basket? Are you sure? What if God don't come through? Your flesh should be screaming that to you. If it's not, you're not really trusting God. Because when you trust people, you become completely vulnerable. When you trust, you're like, you know what? You got, you got the means to harm me in ways that nobody else could. And God, I'm going to trust you with this. I'm going to trust my emotions with you. I'm going to trust my heart with you. I'm trusting my life with you. I'm trusting my wife with you. I'm trusting my kids with you. God, I'm trusting my reputation with you. I done told folk that you won't ever leave me or forsake me. You would never cause me to be ashamed. God, I'm trusting you. Here I go. I'm falling back into you. History says he's never let anybody down. All of history. All of history says he's never let anybody down. And you trust a lot of people with far less records. You have trusted a whole lot of people whose track record has been less stellar than God's. Amen? So, Father, we ask as we leave this place but not your presence, that you would just surround us with your presence. Let us have both a spiritual and an intellectual reboot, God so that we will just decide to put our trust on you and to see what happens when you have, when we have all of our weight on you. And so, Father, we give you praise and honor. We thank you for it in advance. We believe we receive it. And we declare that the spirit of men would not have control over our lives, however it shows up, whether it be money, relationships, family, whatever it is. You are number one. You are the most high God. You are El Elyon, and we honor and praise you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Come on now. If you believe you received that, give the Lord some praise this morning. Amen.